Good morning. First, uh, let me welcome you here today and offer a few announcements before we begin our worship together. Today is Epworth Children's Home, one of the two special offerings that we have every year. There should be in your bulletin a envelope and an insert that tells some more about um, Epworth Children's Home, which is the ministry of our church. I wanted, uh, if you came to the family meal uh, that last month, we had a speaker from Epworth Children's Home who talked to us for a few minutes and it was very enlightening. Uh, one of the things he told us was they had people from age four all the way up to college and, uh, we, the, and that they serve and help with. But he also mentioned that the conference has a goal of $6 per member per year. That's it. Six dollars, and if every member in the church and the annual conference uh, gave six dollars a year, uh, they would have enough money to cover their expenses. So he said that our church was real close, real close to being in that category. Uh, he said, in fact, he said we were, I think, the third largest giver to that poor children's home in this district. So if you uh, so uh, want to make put us over the top, uh, be generous when you write a check for that poor children's home. Now next Sunday, we will have a special meal to recognize and honor Ann Mayfield for all her years of service. Monday, we have got to give uh, the caterer a firm number. So if you have not registered and called the office, if you take a piece of paper or tear off the back of the bulletin, and if you'll drop that in the offering plate, that would be uh, help us a whole lot. Katie, uh, Katie, you, Katie, and Paige want to talk to us about an upcoming fundraiser for the children and the youth, and they're coming to the lectern. And so as they come up, let's see if I have any more. I, I would just want to say one thing. Yesterday we had the district women here, and uh, I uh, don't know if any of you were here, part of that, or drove by, but if you did, you would have noticed that the scout troop that we commissioned as part of our church, they were out in full force in uniform, assisting with parking and directing uh, all those women to uh, the different buildings, and I was really happy to see that. Good morning. Paige and I are so excited to share the news today that our church is going to have a pumpkin patch this fall. This pumpkin patch is a fundraiser for our children and youth ministries, and we want to invite you to pick up some of these flyers that will be in the narthex when you leave church today to help us advertise, because this pumpkin patch will definitely be an all-hands-on-deck event for our church. So we're going to have a lot of pumpkins, guys, and when we say a lot, we mean a lot. So we're going to need you to make us your pumpkin supplier. We would love to have you all come out and support us, and it's going to be on the Saturdays, a couple of Saturdays, um, October 4th, the 11th, and the 18th. Um, and so we'll be open from 10 to 4. Um, so we'd love for you guys to all come out. Um, and we got one more announcement. Um, this Wednesday, um, this is for Cindy Davis, we're going to have a youth choir meeting um, before church at 530. So that's going to be in the youth room. So for anyone that applies to.
be with you. Let us pray together. Give us, O Lord our God, understanding to know you, diligence to seek you, wisdom to find you, and a faithfulness that may finally embrace you. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. affirm our faith. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. The third day he rose from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
seated and let our children come forth at this time. know what this is a soccer ball right okay do you guys like sports yeah you do what's your favorite sport swimming gymnastics what about you know what do you like what kind of sport do you like football what do you like Annaboo? you like soccer swimming you like swimming too well we're gonna talk about soccer today um, have you guys ever watched soccer okay you used to play it. I don't understand all the rules, but there are a couple that I do understand. Do you know what these are? They're pieces of paper, you're right, yeah. But <laughs> in soccer, when they throw up a yellow card, do you know what that means when the ref, I, I don't know if they, know if they call them referees or what, but <laughs> you can tell. I, I'm, but do you know what a, a yellow card means? What do you think it means? It's kind of like a warning. It's like if you did something that was an, kind of like slow down and a, on a red light, you're right. On, on a, when, the, when it's yellow, you slow down, right? So when this is telling somebody um, that they have done something unsportsmanlike, they haven't been very nice on the field. So this is what they get. They get one of these. And then they get one of these. What do you think a red means? Stop. Stop. What do you, what do you think a red means? You got it. This actually means that they have to leave. This means they have, they're out of the game. So they get how many chances? One chance. That's it. That is it. So that's pretty, that's pretty tough, right? Yeah, because you can mess up a couple of times in a soccer game. But nope, if you get this card, you get this one, you're out. All right? So let's talk about, today the main thing that we're going to talk about is forgiveness. How many times do you think you should forgive somebody when they do something wrong? What do you think? One time? What do you think? Every time? What do you think, Anna? You don't know? Okay. Well, if we were to ask Jesus how many times we should forgive somebody, what do you think he would say? What do you think he would say? How many times? You think one time? How many? Every time? He actually gives us, he actually gives us in the Bible, he gives us the answer. Um, in Matthew 18, one day Peter asked Jesus, how many times should I forgive someone who sins against me? Should I forgive him seven times? What do you think Jesus said? You think he said, he said, he actually, he said not seven times, but 70 times seven. Do y'all know what that is? How many times up? I had to look it up too. I had to do it real quick. 490 times. 
Whoa, could you keep up with that if somebody sinned against you? Could you keep up with 490 times? Yeah, that would take, I, yeah, I would probably forget. But you know what? What Jesus is trying to get Peter and all of us to understand is that we shouldn't worry about how many, about counting, that we should just forgive them every time. Okay? We just need to keep on forgiving because that's exactly what God does for us, right? When we ask for forgiveness from Him, that's exactly what He does for us. Does that sound good? So we can put these yellow and red cards away because we don't have to worry about that because we get a bunch of cards. Sound good? Can you guys pray with me? Okay, repeat after me. Dear Father, we are thankful that you love us and forgive us without keeping count. Amen. from the book of Romans, chapter 14, verses 7 through 12. For none of us lives to himself alone, and none of us dies to himself alone. If we live, we live to the Lord, and if we die, we die to the Lord. So whether, so whatever we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the dead and the living. You then, why do you judge your brother? Or why do you look down on your brother? For we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me, every tongue will confess to God. So then, each of us will give an account of himself to God. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Oh, 
Let us bow our heads for prayer. O Lord, in your mercy, hear the prayers of these thy people. O God, you're almighty and you're powerful, but you're also merciful. And we know this day about your mercy and your forgiveness in our scripture lesson. This enduring mercy calls to mind, though, that we do not always treat others with that same generosity. We do not always forgive. We want to keep accounts. We have short tempers. We forget that all things and matters are in your hand. And we forget that we have received far more from you than we could ever count. Forgive us this day our ingratitude. Wipe clean the accounts of our sin and have mercy upon us once more. Increase our vision by filling us with the Holy Spirit that we might see that we are called to love and to serve you in the same way. Help us to uphold one another and commit all our doings to the fulfilling of your purposes. Open the floodgates of your compassion and your mercy and touch all those within our congregation who suffer in body, mind, and spirit. Visit the lonely. <clears throat> Give peace to those who are in trouble and comfort those who mourn. Oh God, we have learned forgiveness from your Son. Help us now to live that forgiveness to others as we offer our praise and our petitions and our thanksgiving. For we pray in the name of Jesus Christ who taught us to pray with these words. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let us continue our worship with our giving. Let our ushers come forward now.
please be seated. My remarks today draw upon the Romans passage you heard in the first scripture a whole lot. It's part of this, um, this meditation. And let me read you the scripture that is listed. Matthew chapter 18, verse 21 through 22. Then Peter came to Jesus and he asked, Lord, how many times shall I forgive my brother when he sins against me? Up to seven times. And Jesus answered, I tell you not seven times, but 77 times. <laughs> this is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let's pray. Oh Lord, we thank you for your guidance on how to, to treat each other as, as part of the community of believers. And help us now to see how this scripture falls right in behind the one that we learned and talked about last week. We pray in your name. Amen. Now look, there's no difference between 7 times 70 or 77 times or whatever you want to. It's a complete number in the Bible. It's seen as always. Just as Marnie told the children, you're always to forgive. Now, you know, I can imagine, I can see that the disciples, after hearing Jesus give us the three steps on what to do if somebody offended you in the community of faith. And then the fourth thing was, well, if they don't repent, you're not reconciled, you're still to treat them the way I treat people, which is to forgive them. So I can just see the disciples uh, gathered around after hearing Jesus' teaching, and they go, hey, Peter, how about you go ask him? Okay, because we're a little bit confused. Does this mean seven times, 700 times? What does that mean? Uh, to, you know, and so that's what I think happened. You know, I can, I can see that, and I, I picked on uh, Jimmy Fowler in the 9 o'clock service. I, I said, you know, I can see that maybe I could forgive Jimmy seven times, but I knew way I could do it the eighth time. That'd be just too much. <laughs> and I think that that's what the disciples were probably hoping, was that maybe they could get some, you know, out. Uh, maybe we have a little out here. Okay, Lord, we understand we're supposed to forgive, and maybe seven, maybe five, maybe ten. They're hoping the Lord would give them something that they could then live with. But the thing is, Jesus said, always. Now, some, because of that, we have a history of almost 2,000 years of witness as Christian people in the world. And someone once observed that the most recognizable mark of a Christian disciple is our willingness to forgive. Our willingness to forgive even our enemies. And that's important for us to re remember as we have done this little two-part uh, thing on what the Lord is instructing us, how to deal with conflict in our life. And it's important, I believe, for us to understand that this forgiveness has to be from the heart. If it doesn't come from the heart, it's not genuine. Forgiveness from the heart recognizes our own unworthiness. You see, forgiveness from the heart recognizes our own debt to God. A debt that we can never repay. And so when we forgive from our heart, 
Whatever the offense was, it releases us. It re you see, in my opinion, there's two choices we have in every situation. We can either seek revenge or we can seek release. Now, on the face of it, it seems enticing, revenge. It seems like that just might be the answer. But the trouble with revenge, it never stops. Where does it stop? And who does it really hurt? In the end, it hurts you because you're consumed. You're consumed by it. But if you can release, if you can release that person, if you can say you're forgiven and you release that person, then you are released from guilt yourself that you might have. You're released from hurt. You are released from pain. You are released and you can forget. Forgive, forget, and move on in your life. Release comes with a, another reward. Release comes with this reward. Peace with God and peace with God is something we should all expect and want to happen. Now it also requires something else. For us to forgive in the heart, it requires for us to have what Paul was, would call a forgiving spirit versus a condemning spirit. We need to have a forgiving spirit instead of a condemning spirit. You see, here's the bottom line. Whether we accept it or not, God has accepted all these other folks. Whether we accept it or not, God has received not just you and me, but He has called all to Himself. And He's reserved the right to judge. Since God's grace is available to all who will accept it, then how do we have a role as judge? Now, I will confess to you that I spent a good portion of my life finding this teaching very, very hard to do. There was many people through the years that I would love to have seen receive some kind of punishment and certainly not mercy. But every time that I get ready to condemn someone, God reminds me that how can you ask me for forgiveness how can you ask me for mercy and you not extend it to others? You see, the business of our lives is not to please ourselves. It's not necessarily really to please others. The business of our lives is to please Christ. To live a life in and for Christ. And to understand and recognize that Christ is Lord of all. Even if to those who do not know it now. Christ is the Lord of those who are living, as Paul said, and Christ is the Lord to those who are dead. And, and Christians should not despise, nor judge, nor seek revenge, because both the one and the other will stand before God one day. As the, Paul said in the Romans uh, passage, we, either, we, we are living to the Lord or we're dying to the Lord. But whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. Now, I will confess to you that the problem in us and in me and you and everyone is our rebellious human spirit. Our, our inclination to be disobedient. 
to the Word, our inclination to be rebellious. You see, I, most of us don't want to answer to anyone but ourselves. We don't want to be accountable to anyone. We don't want to be accountable to the Word of God. We don't want to be accountable to the Lord. We don't want to be accountable to anybody. But just as God has welcomed and claims and claimed us, God welcomes and claims those whose opinions, appearance, etc., etc., are different from our own. Why? Who knows, really? God's ways are not our ways. I know this. God's love, mercy, and grace that has been extended to me is way beyond I've ever deserved. I know this, that God's grace and mercy that He extends to others is beyond my capacity to understand. It's certainly beyond my capacity to control. It seems to me like it'd be a whole lot easier in our life if we would just yield our rebellious spirits and put them under the lordship of our Christ. And maybe we'd experience some peace and freedom from having to be the judge and the jury. There's unmistakable, I believe, messages in these passages. We have been forgiven much. Ought we seek to forgive much? How can we have a judgmental, condemning, and unforgiving spirit when God's spirit to us is one of mercy? We hear it in the words of our hymns. We hear it in the words of the Scripture. God always offers us mercy. We just have to come. Then the, then the other one that gets me is our intellect. Now God gave us this intellect. But sometimes we let this intellect say things like, we're smarter than God. We know better than a sovereign God. Uh, God needs help. Especially in the world we live in today, God needs a lot of help. And yet, this is the same God who created everything we see and cannot see, who has redeemed it and sustains it and will bring it to a final close and restore all things in His will someday, and everyone will have to stand before Him and give an account. And yet, oftentimes, we decide we know best. Now, usually when we're in that mood, we find ourselves going around condemning or judging. Oftentimes, I'm reminded that we are like the group around Jesus today that people said, crucify him. And then all of a sudden, it kind of dawns on us that, hey, we're saying crucify him like everyone else. Then all of a sudden we realize we're pointing at the suffering servant like everyone else. Instead of pointing at ourselves. For we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We have to understand our own shortcomings to be able to have a forgiving spirit. Our own shortcomings 
are most of the time realized, I believe, when we stop and reflect and think about our life up to this point. When we have those moments where we think about our life, we see, when we look back, we see a couple of things. One, we see that God's hand has been at work in our life. The other thing we see is we've made a big mess of many times in our life. We made lots of messes. And if it weren't for God, Lord, what kind of shape we'd be in today. And when we come to those kind of realization points in our life, then we, we realize that we would have perished long ago if it weren't for the unseen hand of God. And that is the precise reason we should be quick to forgive and quick to trust God when the path ahead is not always clear. This is the time that we should realize, these are the times that we should realize that if we really want peace in our life, we have to release it. We can look and find new hope and whatever the situation is, we can find new understanding. And we can because of the words that say, as surely as I live. You see, when we listen to those words clearly and take them in deeply, what that means is Jesus is not some dead person that we lived only 2,000 years ago. Jesus is alive and well. Jesus is, welcomes home people every day. And Jesus says that sure as the stars shine and the rain falls, you don't give up hope. Now especially as time draws near because there will be a day when everybody will bow. Even those who've bowed to the things of the world. Every knee shall bow. As surely as I live, Jesus says, every tongue will confess. Even those tongues that can't speak now. Even those tongues who spoke against the Lord and against His people. All the world, every human who ever lived and died will be before the Lord. Each one, from the weakest to the strongest, from the poorest to the richest, Christian and non-Christian alike, each one will give an account to God. And when we believe that and take that in, that really frees us a lot from being a judge. It, it frees us from the role of judge and puts us really on the course of humility because all of a sudden, you know, don't you feel a little bit more humble when you think about everybody in the whole world that's ever lived standing before God and giving an account? Uh, yes, I do. I don't know about you. It causes me to have a new regard for God as the giver of all mercies and praise God, your mercy is available to me, even me. Praise God, your mercy is available to anyone. Let that mercy flow over me, Lord. Yes, yes. Let it flow over me. Let it flow over everyone, Lord. Let it flow. Because the alternative to that, I don't even want to comprehend or think about. And if that mercy is available to me and to everyone 
who so desires, who will come to the Lord and confess their sin and repent, I'm, why am I not free to let that mercy wash over others? Far be it for me to try to stand in the way of that Russian river. We are free to forgive and forget. To release any hurt and anyone has ever caused us to God. And to receive His peace as a reward. God is in charge, not me. Do you know how freeing that is? Whether I live or die, the Lord God lives. Whether I live or die, I will stand before Him. If you understand how much love He has, for those who seek Him. That not, does not need to be a fearful moment. You know, I'm glad that God takes these things seriously. I'm glad He does. And I'm glad He came down on the side of love and forgiveness. And if you think about it, that must be, and of course we have no proof, but that must be the nature of God. That must be God's true nature, right? It's love and forgiveness. Otherwise, He would have wiped this mess out a long time ago. He's got great patience more than any of us have. So many people are misguided in the world today. So many. Well, finally, let me just say this. There's a couple things to be reminded of. One, that every time we say the Lord's Prayer, it reminds us that our own forgiveness is somehow or another linked to our forgiveness to others. The other thing, the final thing I just want you to see is this. Someone once came up to me and said, there's only one way to walk as Christ wants us to walk in the world in which we live. There's only one way. I said, what is that? They said, that is to see in the face of every face you see, Jesus. That if you do not see Jesus in every face, you can never walk this walk. Because when you see Jesus in every face, then you might realize that it's kind of a dumb thing to refuse to forgive. May God help you to understand this love He has for you for your neighbors, and for your enemies. Amen.
receive now the blessings of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. May their blessings always be yours. Amen.